Back in the early 90s, the band The Bare Naked Ladies released a song called If I Had a Million Dollars. Have you ever thought about what you would do with a million dollars? It's nice to dream, isn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to have that much? Or at least you'd think it would be nice. You'd think it would solve all your problems. Yeah, we all know that money can't buy happiness, but it'd be fun to try, wouldn't it? As Woody Allen said, money is better than poverty, if only for financial reasons. Yeah, it'd, it'd be nice to have enough money to pay all the bills, save for the future, and still have plenty to live in luxury now, wouldn't it? But the reality is, many of us struggle to make ends meet. We live paycheck to paycheck. We don't put anything away into savings. We can't pay all our bills. We're doing all we can just to scrape by. Is that where you're at? Is that true for you? If it is, then you're not alone. Let me give you some statistics. In 2003, for the first time ever, the average Canadian household owed more than its annual take-home pay. Here in this country, we carry 74 million credit cards, three for every Canadian over the age of 18. Each time you use a credit card, you charge an average of $102 on it, which is up from about $50 just 20 years ago. Between the years 1997 and 2001, Canadian credit card debt increased by 90%. We're piling on debt twice as fast as our income is growing. Credit counseling agencies say they're busier than ever. Students are often graduating with debts of $25,000 or even much more than that. By 2004, the average Canadian household carried a debt of $69,450. And while all of this is happening, savings rates are at record lows. In 1985, Canadians were putting 15.8% of their take-home pay into savings. Ten years later, 1995, that had dropped to 9.2%. Today, the average Canadian is saving just 1.4%. And the story is pretty much the same south of the border. The average American carries eight credit cards and 20% of them are maxed out. On average, they owe $8,562 on their credit cards alone and they're paying about $1,000 on interest each year. And these financial problems seep into every area of life. One Gallup poll revealed that 64% of all married couples argue over money issues. At 54%, it's the number one cause of divorce. The related stress from all of these money troubles can cause health issues. It can rob you of peace of mind and it can tempt you to do things that are less than ethical just to try to keep up. Now here at Sunrise, we've spent the last number of weeks talking about stress and some of the factors that cause stress. And since, since money and debt in particular is such a huge source of stress for so many people, we're going to spend the next two or three weeks talking about this. This week, we're going to talk mainly about why debt is dumb. I don't know if I really have to convince you of that or not, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about why debt is dumb. We're going to talk about why you need to say no to debt. And then over the next couple of weeks, we'll get into some of the practical ways for you and me to deal with debt and get out of debt. Okay? So let's talk about why to say no to debt. The first reason is because debt enslaves you to your creditor. And that comes right out of the Old Testament. 
In the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 7, it says that those who borrow are slaves of money lenders. Isn't that true? Those of you who are or ever have been in debt, wouldn't you say that's true? Whenever you sign up for debt of any kind, you surrender a slice of your freedom. People you owe money to say jump and you have to ask how high. They demand pay me first and I don't give a rip what's going on in the rest of your life. People can threaten you and say if you pay me late, I'll lay claim on everything you have. If you don't pay me enough or you don't pay me on time, I'll ruin you. You become a slave to the person that you've borrowed money from. And there's no freedom in that kind of living. Let me give you a little quiz here. Let's assume you are in debt and you have a credit card balance of $10,000. And that's not at all uncommon. And let's say your credit card has an interest rate of 18%, which again is pretty common. You with me so far? Let's also assume that you're going to pay just the minimum monthly payment which is typically around 3% of the outstanding balance, or $10, whichever is greater. So you have a debt of $10,000, you have an interest rate of 18%, and you're going to make the minimum monthly payment. How long is it going to take you to pay it off? Is it going to take you 4 years? Going to take you 7 years? 12 years? Well, the correct answer is that it will take you close to 23 years to pay it off and you'll pay a total of $9,800 in interest. So you've pretty much doubled the original cost and you've taken a quarter of a century to pay it off and that assumes you don't put anything else on the card in the meantime. All of that time you owe your creditor money. You're working to earn money for someone else and as long as you owe them money that's the way it's going to be. You will in effect be their slave. J. Reuben Clark said, Once you're in debt, interest will be your companion every minute of the day or night and it's working against you. It has no love, no sympathy. It is as hard and soulless as a granite cliff and you cannot dismiss it. Whenever you get in its way or you cross its course or fail to meet its demands, it crushes you. It just crushes you. Some of you know this all too well. It's not exactly fun to be enslaved to your creditor, is it? Another reason you need to say no to debt is because debt increases your work pressures. Let me ask you, if you're deep in debt, do you ever worry about what might happen if you were for any reason to lose your job? What if you suddenly got sick and couldn't pay those credit bills? What recourse would you have? How would you survive? How would your family get by? What if you had to take a cut in salary? How humiliating would it be if you couldn't pay those bills? Having debt makes you worry about things like that. When you're nostril deep in debt, any ripple of disruption in your earnings can seem life-threatening. And that just creates enormous earning pressure. You have to keep your job. You have to keep making money just to pay those bills. You can't take time off work. You can't go on vacation. And if, if there's any talk at all about layoffs, then you're just in a consistent state of panic. 
Even if you don't have any debt, you can be concerned about losing your job. But if you do have debt, that worry is magnified. There's not much freedom in that, is there? A third reason you should say no to debt is because debt undermines your joy. You tell me, if you're out for dinner with family or friends and you're in debt, how enjoyable is that dinner? I mean, how do you feel knowing that the bill's coming and you don't have enough to cover it? You're just going to have to put it on credit because you don't have the money. Or you're going to pay for it using cash that should be used to pay for something else that's already on credit. Doesn't that just ruin your day thinking about things like that? I mean, do you find yourself thinking, I shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be buying this. We shouldn't be going here. Not in the financial condition we're in. We're too far in debt to be doing things like this. Do you find yourself thinking that way? It just undermines your joy, doesn't it? The problem is, we think we're going to find joy in the things that we're going into debt for. How backward is that? But it's true. That's the way we think. And marketers will push that on you. Just watch the commercials on TV. Most of them aren't pushing the product. They're pushing the joy that you'll have because of the product. They try to convince, convince you that unless you spend your money on what they're selling, you can't be happy. Let me read for you what John Ortberg wrote about Happy Meals at McDonald's. He wrote this. He said, When we take our children to the Shrine of the Golden Arches, they always lust for the meal that comes with a cheap little prize. A combination, Kristen, in a moment of marketing genius, the Happy Meal. You're not just buying fries, McNuggets, and a dinosaur stamp. You're buying happiness. Their advertisements have convinced my children they have a little McDonald's-shaped vacuum in their souls. Our hearts are restless till they find their rest in a Happy Meal. I try to buy off the kids sometimes. I tell them to order only the food and I'll give them a quarter to buy a little toy on their own. But the cry goes up. I want a Happy Meal. All over the restaurant, people crane their necks to look at the tight-fisted, penny-pinching cheapskate of a parent who would deny a child the meal of great joy. The problem with the Happy Meal is that the happy wears off and they need a new fix. No child discovers lasting happiness in just one. Remember that Happy Meal? What great joy I found there. It goes on and says, Happy Meals bring happiness only to McDonald's. You ever wonder why Ronald McDonald wears that grin? 20 billion Happy Meals, that's why. When you get older, you don't get any smarter. Your Happy Meals just get more expensive. I think that's an interesting and accurate perspective on how our marketing today pushes this experience of joy, making us think that we need to buy these products in order to experience real joy. But listen, you're not going to find joy in any product. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Those are the words of Jesus. So don't buy into the lie that you need to own certain things in order to be happy. A fourth reason that we need to say no to debt is because debt robs you of giving opportunities. Now, I know most of you pretty well. I know that you're a giving people, or at least you want to be. 
I mean, you hear about needs and you want to do everything you can to help. The problem is you can't do very much because of your debt. Think about the famous story of the Good Samaritan. It's a story Jesus told about a Jewish guy who was beaten up and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. Eventually, two religious leaders walk by, but they don't stop to help. They're busy and so they just keep on going. But then a man from Samaria comes along. And the Samaritans and the Jews are pretty much enemies. But that doesn't matter to this man. This man stops anyway. And he picks the guy up and tends to his wounds. Now that's the part of the story we normally think about when we think about the story of the Good Samaritan. This Samaritan stopped to help a Jewish man even though they normally wouldn't associate with each other and he takes care of him. And so the main lesson we take from that is that we ought to have that kind of compassion too. But let's take a closer look this morning. If we read the story again and we look at the story carefully, we ought to applaud another thing about this Good Samaritan. We ought to be able to applaud his money management. Let me show that to you. Starting in Luke chapter 10, verse 33, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Okay, so when they got to the inn, the Samaritan had to pay for the bandages and he had to pay for the medical expenses and he paid for the lodging overnight. How could he have paid for all of that? Well, he just reached into his pocket and there it was to give. He had that money to use at his discretion. If he was carrying a load of debt and everything he earned was going toward paying interest charges and servicing his debt, then he wouldn't have had the money there to help like he wanted to. But apparently, this Samaritan was a good enough steward of his money that he had the money available to help. So bring that back to today. What happens when you're loaded down with debt and then there's a wonderful opportunity for you to help someone? Maybe a loved one, maybe to help the poor, maybe to help the church, maybe to help the cause of Christ in the world. What happens when you want to help but you just don't have the money. You know, when your heart says, I would love to help out and do that, and your bank account says, it's not there to give. Well, what happens is you experience a miserable tension. And that's especially true in the life of a Christ follower whose heart is just overflowing with compassion. It's, it's sad when you feel the desire to give compassionately but you can't because you're too deep in debt. Your debt can rob you of giving opportunities. A fifth reason to say no to debt is because debt will unmask some character flaws. Now, I do know that some debt is caused by accidents or injury or calamities or emergencies that are unavoidable. I know that and I understand that. But the truth is, that's not the case with most debt. Not the kind that most of us carry. In fact, if you really look at what's going on behind the scenes of debt, what causes people to go into debt, what you'll often find 
is that debt is really just a symptom of deeper problems, of character problems. It might be that deep down, uh, what, you, what, what got you into debt is a lack of patience. You know, where you really wanted something and you weren't willing to wait until you could afford it. You just had to have it now. And patience, or the lack thereof, is a character issue. Or maybe, maybe the character flaw is a lack of contentment, also known as greed. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. But the truth is, some of us are never satisfied. We've never learned how to say that one magic word that will help to keep you out of debt. And what is that word? It's the word enough. Just say enough. I have enough. I can get along without that. I'm content. I'm satisfied with what I have. I can't afford that and I don't need that. Enough. Or maybe the character flaw is the lack of trust in God's goodness. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Or how about this verse that we looked at earlier in our service? Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So maybe you don't trust that God will keep those promises. Or maybe the character flaw that your debt reveals is simply your lack of self-discipline. You just couldn't help yourself. You had to buy it. If you find yourself constantly going into debt, why? Why is it that you do that? What is it that causes you to go into debt? What character flaw do you have that takes you down that road? You've got to identify it. And you've got to trust God to help you fix it. And the sixth reason that you need to say no to debt, the final one we're looking at this morning, is that debt taints your Christian witness. One of the quickest ways to alienate someone who's investigating Christianity is for a Christ follower to fail to pay his or her bills. Here at Sunrise, back a few months ago, we went through that whole Just Walk Across the Room series. And you'll remember that in that series, in the book and the DVDs that we used, it featured a man named Bill Hybels. And some of you are familiar with who he is. He pastors a church in the suburbs of Chicago. Well, Bill ran into a situation where the way somebody handled their debt completely turned someone else off of God. And they ended up not wanting anything to do with Jesus. This is what Bill Hybels says. He tells a story of how he was trying to reach out to a car dealer in the area around his church. And over the span of a very long time, he had built a connection with this man. And he even went so far as to invite the man to come to church. And the guy was seriously considering it. But then one day, Bill got a phone call while he was sitting in his office. And it was this car dealer on the other end. And he told Bill firmly, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to your church. And Bill asked him why. And the man explained, well, there's a member of your church who got involved in a bad car deal over here at the dealership. 
Not only did he not meet his financial obligations, but he wouldn't even come clean about it. And then the man said, I just don't want to be associated with people like that or a faith like that. So here you have the example of one person who mishandled his debt and it may have cost that car dealer his eternity. That's a pretty big price to pay. So let me say to you, don't ever jeopardize your Christian witness to a watching world over money. It's not worth it compared to someone's heart, someone's soul, someone's eternity. Because what happens is this. When you're in debt, you get to a certain point where you start compromising. You start making late payments. You start missing payments and backing stuff up. You start not coming clean. You start to hide it and rationalize it. And you end up cheating someone. And that's not a good thing. So there are lots of reasons to avoid going into debt. Lots of reasons to say no. Debt is dumb. You want to avoid it. But what if you're already there? What if you can't avoid it because you're already nostril deep in debt? Well, there are some answers for that too. But we're going to have to wait until next week to get into them.